This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for your daily assist. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Out to the Smart Rain special guest line we go. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Joining us now, of course, Chris Mannix. Chris, happy Independence Day. How was your weekend? It was good, guys. Pretty good. Awesome. Hey, what do you think about this finals we have on our hands? Well, I mean... I'm waiting to see exactly what the health status of Giannis Tentacupo is. I mean, that that's everything, right? I mean, you know, upgrade to questionable earlier today, you know, opens the door a crack for him to be out there. But my thing is, even if he is out there, what does he look like? I mean, is he the same explosive player that we saw in the Eastern Conference playoffs? Or does he become more of a jump shooter? And in a way, a decoy in a series like this, which I guess can be beneficial at times, but you know, is not going to be overly useful to Milwaukee because Giannis is not a very good jump shooter. So uh, I, you know, I, that, that's everything. Like we can talk about Drew Holiday and his impact, and you know, the young players in Phoenix, how they react to the pressure of the moment. But to me, everything is based on Giannis's health. If he's you know, 80, 85%, Milwaukee's got a great chance to win. If he's not, I don't think they have the firepower to get past Phoenix. So it's not really a fair question for you, Chris, because you're not a doctor, but I, I wonder what the odds are that he, he will, will feel good enough to be effective. I, how do you, you don't know, but it just seems like you're, like you said, that's everything here. Yeah, I mean, how they've been upgrading him from doubtful to questionable certainly suggests that at some point, whether it's game one, two, or three, He's going to give it a go and be back out there. But, I mean, guys, we, we saw that leg twisted. Like, that's not something that ordinarily would, you know, you get past in the span of three or four days. Just doesn't, doesn't heal like that. Um, and, you know, I'm sure, you know, his ligaments were stretched, that his knee was bruised in, in ways we're not going to hear about right now. Um, you know, and as much as he's going to try to get out there and give it his all, like if you're Phoenix, you know, whoever Giannis is guarding – you uh, you attack uh, you attack him with uh, on the other end of the floor you know you don't care if he throws up you know jump shots you know just don't let him get to the basket and if he can't explode that's a problem so it's it really is everything with this series just how if he's able to play and once he gets out there how effective is he going to be talk about <clears throat> excuse me talk about the Chris uh, Paul story uh, Chris this, I mean what can he do for his legacy with a series victory. You know, it's subjective, but I would think he cements his status as a top five point guard of all time with a championship. That's long been 
the missing piece on his resume. He's got everything else, the all-NBA appearances, all-star appearances, uh, you know, assist numbers. I mean, he has been consistently one of the top three-point guards in the NBA for most of his career. But, you know, that, that deep playoff run outside of that one year in Houston uh, when they went to the conference finals has largely eluded him. And he's been known more for the 3-1 loss that he had as a member of the Clippers, the fact that those Clippers teams for years largely underachieved despite having, you know, Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan all in their primes. Um, so I, I think a championship would, would cement him as one of those top playmakers uh, of all time. And, and look, I, I think Chris, the last couple of years, has really padded his resume in, in multiple ways. I mean, going to Oklahoma City, not griping about it, and leading the Thunder to not just the playoffs, but the sixth seed in the playoffs, one game away, minutes away in game seven for potentially winning that series and then to come to Phoenix and take a team that hadn't been to the playoffs in more than a decade and take them to the NBA finals. I mean, he's really doing some remarkable things in age 35 and age 36. And and that I think will be reflected when you start to look back at his career and say, you know, where does he place among the all-time greats? If Giannis were himself, how does the series, how what are the matchups like in this series? Chris? Uh... You know, I, I, it's, it's hard to say because the Suns, you know, go big with Aiton at the five, and then it's Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder, largely. They like to, you know, maintain as much versatility as possible. Um, you know, Milwaukee, with or without Giannis, is going to try to play some bully ball. You saw them do that through Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis in the last two games, the Atlanta series. You would figure if Giannis is limited in terms of his explosiveness, you'd want to put him in the post as often as possible and let him use that size and length try to get to the paint that way and not rely on, you know, transition, moves off the dribble, things like that. Uh, and, and then we'll see if Phoenix can can body up and man up or do we have to, like, dust off Frank Kaminsky or any of the other big bodies that are on that Suns bench. So that that's probably Brooklyn's one clear advantage of Brooklyn. Milwaukee's one clear advantage uh, in this series. But, uh, you know, if Giannis is, is out there on one leg, it's, it's just not going to be good enough. Seems to me an opportunity for maybe somebody like Chris Middleton or, or Drew Holiday comes to mind. Of course, you know one of uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee's got a uh, <clears throat> excuse me a great deep team, but one of those guys, if if they could go supernova and really take a series over, maybe they're not capable of it. But you know w- what would have to happen if Milwaukee were to be be competitive without Giannis? Well, you, you'd need multiple guys to have those supernova type series. And look, Middleton was great in the games that Giannis missed. Um, of that conference finals. I thought Drew Holiday was excellent, especially in that game, game six defensively against Trey Young. I mean, Trey had, I think, one of his worst shooting nights of the playoffs in that game six. Drew Holiday was the biggest reason why. But the margin for error becomes so minuscule without a healthy Giannis in the lineup. I mean, they could have Middleton go off, Holiday go off, and they'd still get beat by 10 maybe if the Suns all play uh, up to their level. They're probably not going to be able to bully the center position as much as they did against the Hawks because Aiton is such a defensive presence uh, in that paint. He's the biggest reason that the Suns were a top 10 defensive team during the year and they're number two defensively uh, in the playoffs. So I just, it's just such an uphill, it's an uphill climb until we know exactly what Giannis's help is going to be and what he's able to give uh, in these games. But, you know, if he's, if he's out or hobbled, it's Holiday, it's Middleton, maybe it's Pat Connaughton that has to have a big game. You're going to have to get two or three guys that play out of their minds to stay with this, this Suns team. Chris, uh, let me roll a live hand grenade across the floor at you. Uh, who's the better player, Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell? Uh, you know, Devin Booker's more advanced 
and that's maybe a cop-out way of looking at it. I mean, Booker, Booker is what Mitchell's likely to become, if not better. I think Booker's better right now, but Mitchell, I think, has a chance to surpass him as he kind of grows into his talents. Remember, Booker spent so many years with people, including myself, calling him, like, empty calories. I mean, I was in Boston when he went for 70 in a game the Suns lost. So, like, he has been, you know, he has been putting up extraordinary scoring numbers for a long time, but it's only this season uh, that he's been able to put it together in a winning way. Um, You know, Mitchell's had the benefit of winning earlier in his career, but, you know, he's still taking some of the lumps that Devin Booker took uh, a year or two ago. So, I think that I think Booker probably the better player right now. But if you're playing out the next five, six, seven years, who would you take? You know, there's certainly a pretty strong argument to take Mitchell. Chris, last week we asked you about Mike Conley and from a Jazz perspective and the importance in retaining him. I want to ask you about Mike Conley again, but this time from an overall NBA perspective. What is the market going to be like for him? Well, I think it's going to be pretty good, and you know, all eyes right now are on New York and what the Knicks do. I mean, Tom Thibodeau is going to be pushing to get as many veterans on that roster as possible. I think the Knicks, you know, really were exposed in the playoffs for not having, you know, that extra playmaker and the extra score on that team. I mean, they beat teams in the regular season because oftentimes they just played hard of them. But in the playoffs, everybody plays hard. And that's when your talent or lack thereof is exposed. The Knicks have a bunch of cap space available. They've proven that they're not the same old dysfunctional Knicks. Tibbs is an excellent coach. Um, they're going to be in the market as a player for every top point guard out there. I think ideally they'd get their hands on Chris Paul. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, Phoenix would have to really blow it for Chris Paul to walk and go to New York. Kyle Lowry is certainly going to be out there. Maybe he's a cheaper, more short-term alternative you know, for the Knicks. But I think Mike Conley is definitely going to be on their radar. And if he is – you know, all the Knicks have to be, do is be the one team that offers an obscene amount of money to, to go and get him. Uh, there'll be other teams out there, certainly uh, in the mix for him. But, uh, you know, they, the you know, 3,000-pound elephant in the room is, is New York because they are determined to get a playmaker this offseason. And there's only a few top guys available. How detrimental do you think it would be, Chris, for the Jazz if, we were to, if they were to lose his services I mean, because they had all this momentum this year. And, yeah, they had the disappointing loss against the Clippers, but uh, Mike couldn't play in that series. What kind of blow would that be? I mean, it wouldn't send you back to square one, but it would send you back to square three, if that makes any sense. I mean, they you wouldn't be a contender anymore. Simple as that. You know, the Jazz, because of cap uh, issues, can't go out and just sign somebody else. Uh, they'd have to get cheap replacements you know, for Mike Conley, and that's just not going to work. Mike Conley, for the last two years, you know, when the Jazz were successful, whether it's the regular season or in different playoff series, Mike has been a huge reason why. I mean, he's when I look at the landscape of players and teams that must sign that player, yeah, Mike's up there with Chris Paul in terms of guys that their respective teams have to sign or else their window will snap shut immediately. And I don't think that's hyperbolic. I think the Jazz window, at least temporarily, will snap shut in terms of winning at the highest level if Mike Conley leaves. You mentioned Chris Paul. He's already made it known he's not going to opt in for the final year of his contract, making him a free agent. You also mentioned, uh, uh, of course, the Knicks, and, and we've seen the rumors there. Does the outcome of the finals, will that have an impact on whether he stays or goes? I mean, maybe. Um I also don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Chris doesn't opt in. I mean, there are some, some mechanics here that 
you know, could lead to a more lucrative contract. He opts in and extends for two years. Uh, that's certainly possible, and that can get into that $100 million mark that he's probably targeting in terms of where to get to. Yeah, I, I, look, I think Chris wants to stay in Phoenix. I mean, when 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 Oklahoma City was looking to deal him, and, and they, 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 to their credit, the Thunder created a partnership with Chris Paul. You know, he wanted Phoenix. He wanted Monty Williams, who he's worked with before. Monty's not going anywhere. He wanted Devin Booker. Devin's not going anywhere. All those young players on that team, whether it's Aiden Bridges, a handful of others, um, you know, they're still going to be there. They're still going to be part of that team going forward. So, you know, this Suns team has a chance not just to be in the finals this year, win a championship, but do it again next year at that. And I think Chris would want to be a part of that. The other factor is, too, like his family's in L.A. Uh, he's, he's made it known at various times he wants to play close to that area. So it's just a hop, skip, and a jump by a plane to, to get to, to Los Angeles. It just it feels like all the, the dominoes are in place that unless Phoenix really screws this up by kind of lowballing him, uh, that that uh, Chris Paul will be back in, in Phoenix. I know this is a little bit like being uh, blindfolded and chucking darts, but uh, where do you rank Chris Paul in the all-time greats as far as point guards go? Yeah, I think he's top five, as I said. I don't, um, or at least top five, six, seven at this point before the championship. Um, Who do you have you ahead know, 16, of him, Chris? Magic is ahead of him. Isaiah Thomas is ahead of him. And then you start getting into that kind of John Stockton. Um, and I'm blanking on some of the top names out there right now. You, I, I guess I don't really go back. I mean, if you really want to go into the championship well, you go to Bob Cousy and guys like that. But, you know, it, it's no insult to Bob Cousy to say he's not talent-wise on the level of the guys that we're talking about. So, yeah, I mean, look, he might already be on that list anyway, but – you know, I, I look at Magic and, and, you know, maybe Stockton and definitely Isaiah and, you know, a handful of others that are right there in that mix. And, and Chris, I, I really do believe that if they win a championship this year, there really won't be any argument that Chris Paul is the top five point guard of all time. Every time, Chris, this this conversation comes up between Jake and me and I sing the praises of Magic Johnson, then he says Magic Johnson is not the best point guard of all time. It's LeBron James. That's what he throws at me. Help me. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, LeBron as despite not really ever playing the position per se, yeah, as far as guys with the ball in their hands and creating for others, I mean, he's as good as they get. I mean, how much criticism did LeBron take early in his career for you know constantly finding the open man? We used to kill him for that and say like Jordan wouldn't have passed it, Kobe wouldn't have passed it. We we killed LeBron for for that stuff. But no, nah, I mean, look, if, if you want to look at expand it to to, to that, I mean, LeBron. In a, in a weird way, Scottie Pippen kind of fits that mold as well because those Bulls teams didn't have traditional point guards. They had Paxton and Kerr as as you know the de facto players at that position, but they were more shooters than anything else. You know, LeBron is kind of cut out of that Pippen mold. Uh, he's enhanced it to the nth degree, but um, he certainly ranks up there as a, as a top playmaker because of what he does. Did I articulate your thought yeah, on that, fine. Jake? I was just, you know, somebody back in the day said, hey, Magic's a point guard, even though he's 6'9". <laughs> Where somebody back in the day said, oh, LeBron's a small forward. And yet they both, as Chris articulated there, play with the ball in their hands, create for others. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going to argue that Magic is a point guard, then you have to argue that LeBron's a point and, guard. And, you know, uh, wait, Chris, my argument back to that is um, is that uh, the, the Lakers traded Norm Nixon because he was their point guard and Magic was their point guard moving forward. And so that's my argument that he was a legitimate point guard. But I don't want to get you in the middle of our fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Magic, you know, by definition, played point guard. But he, he shifted occasionally and 
we know we all know famously in the finals before he played center at times, but you know, he was virtually every single year the point guard of that team. Whereas LeBron, while oftentimes he didn't play with traditional point guards, whether it was Mario Chalmers in Miami or currently with Alex Caruso and Dennis Schroeder and guys like that, um, has traditionally been a front court player. Uh, but if you want to say as far as playmakers go, take the point guard position now, call them top playmakers. You put LeBron and Pippen in that category for sure. Chris, thank you as always. Uh, enjoy the finals. You got it, guys. Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer from Sports Illustrated. Um, really fascinating stuff about Chris Paul. He thinks Chris Paul is going to stay in Phoenix. That is bad news, in my opinion, for the Utah Jazz. If you're a Jazz fan and want to retain Mike Conley, root for Chris Paul to go to New York. Hmm. I know that goes against what you're thinking as a Suns fan, but if you're a Jazz <laughs> fan, fan stuff. if you're a Jazz fan, you uh, want that 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 whole plugged that position filled because yeah. he could go and be the starting point guard, playmaker on a playoff team in the Big Apple. Go. They have enough money to sign him. Wouldn't have to do a sign and trade. That'd be tough. Who else do you think are the major threats? To lure him, I'd away. have to look at the. I'd have to look at the cap figures better. It, well, the names you hear are like the Knicks and uh, the and Dallas, and we've heard the Lakers. Is that realistic? But see, to go to the Lakers, it either have to be a sign in trade or it would have to be a mid level exception. And I think Conley's going to sign more for more than the mid level mm-hmm. exception. I don't think he's unless he truly just want wants to go play a role on a championship team. He's not going mid-level. What's the exception going to be, you think? Uh, it's similar to what it was last year. What favors get? He got the mid-level last year, uh, right? Ten, wasn't it? Isn't that about right? Something like that. I'd yeah, have to go look. But I think he'll probably get more than that. Mm-hmm. Again, unless he truly wants to just take whatever to go play a role. We on... talking standard or room? Uh, standard. Not the luxury tax one. Standard, standard. is projected uh, for this next season to be... Exactly ten million dollars, mm. and luxury uh, the would be less. So, so I wonder. I really, man, you wonder what Mike's thinking, and maybe he doesn't even know yet because he hasn't seen the numbers. He hasn't gone through the process. Yeah. Again, you know. You Although I mean, that's probably going on. Well, his priority today might not be his priority tomorrow. That's the brilliance of free agency. Maybe some – we chatted about this earlier. I mean, maybe some team brings something to the table that Mike goes, oh, I didn't I didn't value that. I mean, uh, yes, uh, the, the frozen custard in Salt Lake is delicious, so I'm going <laughs> to – You mean he doesn't – he's not going to say, I want to go play for my college coach who, and finish the business that we left undone? In that case, that was Gordon Hayward's priority. <laughs> All right. And Boston, by the way, the interesting example for you to bring up, they had the cap room to sign him. Thus, Boston didn't have to compensate Utah with anything, mm-hmm. even a, uh, a, a trade exception, which they could have done for nothing, just to be nice. So you think if the Knicks can't lure Chris Ball away, that they are going to be more willing to pay Mike Conley a bunch more? Well, you heard what Chris said. Thibodeau wants veterans. Which isn't a surprise, because he's that kind of coach. He wants veterans he can really grind out. He wants veterans that so he can 
win as soon as possible, and then he's not going to last that long anyway because he's going to be out of there. So who cares what the franchise looks yeah, he like wants, when he's done? He wants Mike to come in and play 40 minutes a night. <laughs> 82 games a year, 40 minutes Is that what Mike wants? I don't know. That's that's the big question, right? Sven brought that up on the text line. He said, essentially, does Mike want to go somewhere where he has to be a major, major cog and carry that extra responsibility? Or does he want to go somewhere where he can just sort of fit in and feel good? All right. Uh, we'll get to more coming up. Stay tuned. It is the big show, not Sports Port at 450. Bowler at 5, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. <laughs> This is DJ and PK. Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director. How much is the university educating or going to be educating these kids as far as if they come into cash on how to handle it and maybe what to expect? Right now, that's what we're trying to do with Built for Life is to accelerate programs that will help them learn how best to deal with these types of opportunities to make money. We've done this for years. Every school in the state has educated their student athletes and it's not just about football and baseball and basketball. It's about a relationship, and it's about the way that we connect with our student-athletes. And this just speeds it up about 100 times what it's been in this past. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire, every day, with no credit needed financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for round two of What's Going On. Ready to roll? Yeah, always. So there was... I guess I'll let them set this up because it's interesting. There's some, some this, this has to do with play-by-play. And I guess the ability of play-by-play people to continue to do their job <laughs> while handling awkward situations. I don't know, Austin. How am I doing on that? Is uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. And a, a strange coincidence. Uh, that it, that has occurred. Let's let's set it up that way. Here you go. A lot of people remember uh, just because of how weird it sounded. But uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Tom Brenneman, who was the uh, play-by-play voice for the Cincinnati Reds, uh, said a homophobic slur on a hot mic. Well, that was at the beginning of the game. By the time the middle of the game was rolling around, it had gotten circulated on social media. People realized what had happened. And so I believe it was Fox at the time that was broadcasting the game told Tom, look, you're done. And uh, you can go and do an on-air apology. Well, it happened to be in the middle of a game, and then this happened. Castellanos to lead things off. Jim Day is going to be taking us the rest of the way through this game. As Holland takes over on the mound, um, I made a comment earlier tonight that uh, I guess uh, went out over the year that I am deeply ashamed of. Um, If I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. 
And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I don't know if it's going to be for the Reds. I don't know if it's going to be for my bosses at Fox. I'm going to apologize. So in the middle of his apology, Nick Castellanos hits a home run. Tough apology. Tough apology, rough. But in the middle of it, he still slips into play-by-play boy. What, what, what is code on that, though? Like, uh, geez, I don't know. Are I, you supposed to continue to call I would game? think so. People are still watching the game. And so he says, look, uh, if I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave on a home run call here. So that was a couple of years ago. Well, yesterday, actually, excuse me, on Sunday, the Reds are playing the Royals. And uh, Kansas City broadcaster uh, is eulogizing the father of longtime Royals equipment manager, Pat Gorman. George Gorman passed away. He was a World War II veteran. Beautiful tribute. Beautiful tribute. Yes. But the problem is, in the middle of the tribute, guess who comes up to bat? Nick Costanelanis. Well, we're going to tell you about a great man. It's a loss for the Royals family. This is George Gorman, who passed away at the age of 96. He served our country in World War II. He went to the University of Kansas, and so did his son, Pat Gorman, who's been working for the Royals in the clubhouse for 26 years. Wow. And that was Pat's father. Well, that's a great life, 96 years. And Pat, just like his dad, went to KU. He also went to Bishop Ward High School. There's a drive into deep left center field, and there's never a great time to eulogize someone during the broadcast, so we apologize for the timing. But our hearts go out to Pat, who's just been a tremendous loyal employee to the Royals for 26 years. And his wife, Katie, as she lost her father-in-law and daughters, Abby and Caroline, who lost their grandfather. But they had him for 96 years. Sorry for your loss. Well, Nicholas Castellanos was 0 for 2 with two strikeouts against Mike Minor curveballs his first time up. So there you go. Castellanos hitting two home runs in two very weird moments. Guy in the back. MVP! I don't know. I don't know how you do that. Like, let's say, I don't know, let's say... You're dealing with something in the middle of a broadcast. Let's say that you know one of your broadcast partners, I don't know, lost a, a parent. Okay, and you're and you're talking back and forth, and and you're saying, and you know, we'd like to thank so and so and his, you know, his commitment to this game, <laughs> and you know, he's out here and he lost his parent. Uh, earlier this morning. Justin Bean uh, with a rebound, dishes down to Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill with the bucket. And, you know, we... <laughs> like, is that what you do? I don't... I, I've i never had a situation like that. I don't know how to handle a situation like that. I'm not sure. Well, you better get yourself ready. I guess I don't know what etiquette is. Well, that's probably why you just don't. Like, you know, put out a nice little social media post about your dog or your grandpa or whatever. But I don't know if it needs to be in the middle of a game. Okay, but what if a like what if a parent had passed that morning? Uh, would you still call the game that day? If my parents did, if you know, if, if, if one of your parents, oh passed? no, 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 no. Okay, so no. you'd miss the game. No, I'd miss the game. Although uh, my dad from heaven, would be like, Get your ass yeah, he would want you to call the game. Okay, what about a distant cousin? Um, I guess you wouldn't eulogize a distant cousin. No, not really. But you, I would probably, I might eulogize a dog. I, if I lost a dog, I would go to obviously I'd go to work because I did go to work. Yeah. Well, and then there's one more, gone, yes, one more yes. gone, but not forgotten, and that's uh, our sweet days or our sweet Lucy. Uh, at the age of 12, she was run over oh, yes. in our driveway. Oh, oh, like that? Was she run over like that? that?
<laughs> I forgot all about that one. That might be my favorite. <laughs> that's Scotty esque like right that? there. Like that? Would she run over like that? Oh, man, that's horrible. We don't forget about that one. We say like that all the time. Like that. We do. <clears throat> um, like that? Yeah, they, they, you know, the one guy. It's kind of funny it was the same guy hitting the home run. But uh, the, the second play-by-play guy was like, really, there's not a great time to do this? Yeah, he's right. Well, when the crowd starts cheering, uh, in a way, in the middle of the tribute, I mean, it is difficult. No, you got to mention it. You got to mention the home run. But the, the guy who's getting pulled off the air mid-broadcast, because <laughs> they just, you know, say, hey, Bob, get out of the restroom. You got to take over on the play-by-play. And the guy's apologizing as he's getting yanked off the broadcast. Saying, I may never put this headset on again. And a home run to Whatever happened field. to him? Uh, he's still employed doing NFL for Fox. May never put on these headsets again. <laughs> Home run, center field. <laughs> I'm so sorry if I deeply, I'm deeply sorry if I offended anyone. There's a drive to center field. It'll be a home run. That's a 4 nothing game, and I'll never work here again. I'm so sorry. But to like that guy, that that was just magic. I'll disagree with the Royals announcer here, though, just gently. Uh, there is a good way and a good time to do that, especially during a baseball broadcast where there's a thousand seconds of dead air. Or dead moments between each pitch, you can get that done. You Isn't can that get what it he in was there. doing? No, he was. It, it took him three minutes. You gotta, you gotta get going here. in between each pitch. Yeah, I mean, but he was also pay, he was paying a nice tribute. Dude. But baseball provides you this wonderful thing called the half inning. You know, you've got the the bottom and the the top and the bottom. You got that half inning where the pitcher's out there scratching himself for five minutes. Maybe come back from commercial break a minute early and do it then uh, before the game. Yeah, gets but going. that costs you money. You know, there's a good time to do it, and it wasn't then. Not when the guy's digging in at the plate. <laughs> okay, uh, it's, a, it's you have a, a pregame, point. you have a postgame. Do it on one of those. But the, I mean, who knows whether a dude's going to hit a home run? Right, you don't know, so don't do it then. <laughs> That's just bad luck, Austin. You no, know, you know when you do, what else you don't do? You don't eulogize Sweet Daisy, <laughs> Lucy, Lucy, whichever one was run Why over. Why do you say the, Daisy first? Yeah, what was that all? But Maybe you don't do that when someone's running down the lane. You do it at the pre, the half, or the post game show. One more gone, but not forgotten. It was on his mind. Hans brought up heavy on him. Hans, I I don't think it was in that clip, but Hans brought up also a good point. Do, do you think that the 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 guy ran over his own dog? God, is that why he's feeling bad and bringing it up on the broadcast? I hadn't thought of that. The odds are it was because if it were say like a teenage son or something like that, is he even bringing that up? Because it's probably a a pretty touchy subject at home, right? Just because he brought it up didn't mean he was feeling guilty. It means that he was feeling guilty. Got to do a dedication <laughs> here to save face at home. You know what I mean? Because I just okay. ran down poor Lucy. That's not a reach at all. <laughs> I, but the odds are, if you're running, if a dog's getting run over in its own driveway, it's going to be likely the owner's yeah, car and, that runs if, it over. If it's his Play wife, more time. Let's see if, if it's his wife, he's this. not doing it because he's not calling her out. I want to. I want to get to the <laughs> well, bottom. Well, there's one more. Gone, the, yes, one more gone, yes. but not forgotten. And that's uh, our sweet days or our sweet Lucy. Uh, at the age of twelve, she was run over. Oh, yes. in our driveway. Oh, oh, like that. 
Was she run over like that? I he doesn't, he, you're on to something here. He I had not care picked about, up on that. He didn't even know the name of the dog. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't care at all about the dog. He's just in trouble at home because he didn't look in his rearview mirror and ran down Sweet Lucy. He, he said, our poor. I mean, he did show some empathy there. Our sweet Daisy, Lucy, whatever Lucy, the dog's whatever, name was. Uh, did, he didn't say it ruined his morning. I know I did. I did. Oh man, I've had a rough morning. I did. There was some irony there from from mm. Hans talking about uh, talking about that. I I, I don't know now. Like I'm, that? Now now I think we need to we need to research this a little closer. How are we going to research? That's like a high school game. Like we have no idea how to find those people. I don't even know if the play by play guy lived that night. <laughs> the guy eulogizing his dog may have run him over in the driveway. You don't. You don't. Yeah. Hey, you don't do it then. And B, you certainly don't cut off the guy to call the two-hand runner jam of the century. Like that. And say, yeah, did your dog get run over like that? That was rather, I mean, that. I don't care if something really, uh, you know, action-packed is happening on the court. You don't do that. Yes, you do. You're there to broadcast the game, not talk about Sweet Lucy. Yeah, but yeah, but he that's why in, that's why the guy uh, apologizing. I appreciate him describing the home run because we're not here to hear you apologize. We want to we're trying to take it in the game. Yeah, but things happen sometimes. You know, I mean, the play of the game happens while this guy's crying about Sweet Lucy. You gotta, you don't say that. Yes, you do. You maybe don't. I'm with Jake. You do the play by play, maybe, but you don't say. Did your dog get run over like that? <laughs> yeah. But if you uh, look at the uh, play, the guy gets run over. There's somebody that absolutely gets run over. It's very, it's very descriptive, like appropriate. It matches the it's moment. It's not appropriate. Oh, no, Jake, that is not appropriate. I'm gonna go relook at the play. It's absolutely a guy I've getting run never over. Seen the play? Really, yeah. it's 100 percent one guy running over another guy to dunk it. Well, like it's very appropriate in that way. Like you would watch that and go, that dude just got run over. I don't think so. Come on. He could be. I think he's exaggerating. I do want to have someone follow up with both of them, though. I want to know if that analyst or Peter's dad or whoever it was on the on the. I wonder if he has talked to this person again. Well, Would I, you talk to that person again? Yeah, I, They'd I, be out of my life forever. <laughs> like that. <laughs> All right. We'll like have that. more coming up next. Stay tuned. Not sports. Sports. Straight out. Bowler at five ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, hey guys. Jake here for my friends at Zero Res. And listen, July is all about freedom, right? Declare your freedom from dirt, spills, and pet accidents with Zero Res carpet cleaning. We also know July is for celebrating hiking, boat, boating, and all things fun in the sun. Keep your weekend easy and let Zero Res do the work with their patented process. Let me give you the rundown. First... 
They use the ZR Lifter, which has counter-rotating brushes and pulls all of the gross hair and dust stuck deep in your carpet fibers that the vacuum just can't get to. Then their patented wand rinses your carpet fibers while simultaneously sucking it back up, meaning they won't flood your carpet. And last but not least, ZeroRes uses water to clean, which means no harsh uh, soaps, gross chemicals left behind uh, to turn into dirt-attracting residue. Get it? Zero res. The result, your carpets will stay cleaner longer. They've got the to, You've got to experience the zero res difference, and they've got a great deal going on right now for Zone listeners. Call them. Tell them Jake from The Zone sent you, and this month they're going to hook you up just $33 per room of carpet clean plus a fourth room for free. So call them, 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-ZERO. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 975-1280 the zone and the zone sports network. Joe Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280. The Zone time for the Not Sports Report brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going nearby. Uh, Evanston? Nope. Other direction. Uh, Penguich? No. <laughs> that would be south. I guess Evanston is kind of north. But tomorrow, when I think of Evanston, I think of east. Okay, yeah. Going to the Great Salt Lake, Jake. I see. This has been in the news, but I, I guess I didn't realize this, but do you know that the Great Salt Lake now is at a the lowest point that it's been for 170 years? I did know that, yes. Do you know what this means? A lot of really crappy stuff that we pumped into the lake for decades is now going to be not underwater. No, that's not the biggest uh, problem. Turning into dust that could turn into a, like a poison cloud that envelops us all? That's the problem. That is the problem. It's not the fact that they're having to take sailboats out of the marina because they're afraid they're going to hit mud. You know, the lake at its deepest point is like 35 feet deep as well. I didn't know that, too. Anyway, you learned this in elementary school growing up in Utah, right? Well, this, this what I want to— discuss is this situation they're like uh, uh they're like a thousand square miles of dry lake bed now and apparently under that is uh uh you know essentially arsenic laced dust that could be blown into the air that millions breathe and those millions are us so here's my question about that. Now there is a crust that is uh, that is on top of it that supposedly will keep this tamp down for a time. Experts don't really know how long. And if anybody out there is an expert, please let us know. But they're taking a bunch of water out of the the rivers, the, the, the streams that flow into the lake for farm lands and stuff like that. 
If push came to shove, who wins this battle? Do they go to the rural parts of Utah and say you can't take water out of this out of these rivers because if you do, you're going to poison a couple million people? I don't know. Is it <clears throat> is it farmers taking water out of the Jordan River? I don't uh, think that's the case. Well, stuff that flows into the Jordan River. Yeah, is that agriculture depleting that? Well, that's what this report mm. suggests. But I hadn't really thought about this. I mean, I, I was aware of it in sort of a casual way. But we don't want arsenic blowing around our air. The air's bad enough as it is already, right? You know, the, things, the thing that kind of bugs me about these issues is like they've been like this is not a new story. That's something that we just woke up and realized today. Like people have known this for a long time, but yet nothing like nobody alters the behavior. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Uh, do, so do you, are you suggesting that it was ineptitude that led, led to this? Or are you suggesting that, that the, those who are crying wolf are, are blowing it out of proportion? Oh, I don't know what's out of proportion or not, because I have no idea. All I, all I do know is that, uh, you know, you, you make some decisions long ago where maybe you didn't have all the best information, right? You know, where you're like, okay, well— the Great Salt Lake's there, always going to be there. We're just going to dump a bunch of stuff in it and go about our business and ignore the fact that if the water line recedes and that stuff is back to unearthed, that a kid could have uh, bad consequences. I mean, that's not a new concept, right? Well, so, well what, would, what would we do, I wonder? It says here 700, excuse me, 750 square miles of dry lake bed. And underneath that is this naturally occurring arsenic that could go airborne if if it gets to that point. Now, I'm not sure that it's there yet. Um, and then they bring up the example of Owens Lake in California, which L.A. stole all the water out of that lake. But then afterward, uh, there was just a dust bowl that cost millions of dollars to tamp down. And the problem with the Great Salt Lake is obviously that it's much larger and it's closer to a very populated area that we call home. So, and it's the fastest growing state population-wise in the country. So what are we going to do about this? Nothing. That's what we've been doing. So why would, I think, why would I think that that would change? Well, Just because someone happened to wake up and write about it? Well, knowledge is power, isn't it? I mean, don't, don't. but we—that's my point. We've had the knowledge for a while now, and you know what we've done about it? You know, I remember back in like <laughs> 1980, 83, whatever it was, when that when the streets were flooded here, and the Great Salt to build dams out there to keep the Great Salt Lake from flooding areas that it shouldn't have been to. So this this seems very volatile, volatile for that to have changed the way it did, in just what four decades. Well, what are we dealing with here? You, it's constantly changing, Gordon. You know, there's a really neat exhibit at the Utah Natural History Museum that shows you the evolution of the Great Salt Lake from Lake Bonneville over the centuries. I it's understand pretty fascinating. That. I understand that. But this is Lake Bonneville. That was some kind of lake, wasn't it? Uh-huh. I mean, you can see the beach uh, across the top, the ma- not the top, but on the mountain there. You can. Uh, so I, I just don't know. If push came to shove here, what would they do? Would they— Go out there and blow concrete all over the the dry lake bed to keep the arsenic, you know, to keep it no, I, tamped I, down? I get back to my previous statement. I'm pretty sure we're going to do nothing. <laughs> but we could all die. Huh, maybe.
Austin, do you have a suggestion? Yeah, I've never liked the Great Salt Lake, so I think let's just glass it. Glass it? Like yeah. glass it? What do you mean? No, no, like nuke, nuke it. We <laughs> all move out of town for a month, we drop an A-bomb on it, and then we come back and we're happy. Nuke it? Yeah. What, what about all the birds, that uh, the migratory <laughs> birds? Chewed food, chewed fain. Food chain, man. Food chain. You don't like it? Fly away. They depend on it. I am man. You are bird. I win. Plus, we've been not caring about those birds for a while now. That's nothing new either. And plus, yeah, have you ever been out there and thought, this was a fun time? No, it's miserable. How about the $60 million brine shrimp industry out there? Not my problem. Is it really $60 million bucks? Uh, Who's who's spending that on brine shrimp? I know, that seems high to me. It's a a reject of the ocean. Brine shrimp. Uh, you guys, uh, I mean, the only the only I, good I, thing I, the the Great Salt Lake is good for is a mosquito. Yeah, see, Gordon, you think we're advocating for something? I'm just filling in on reality. <laughs> then what? No, nobody's going to do nothing. Correct, because we've been doing nothing for a long time now. Well, maybe it's about time we start doing something. Just because someone happened to write about it today? No, this has been going on for a while now. It's uh, because well, somebody wrote about it. <laughs> yeah. So now all of a sudden we're like, hey. Maybe we should do something. Well, maybe I'll tell you one thing. It might uh, it might lower uh, housing costs around here. That's true. Yeah, dropping that. an A-bomb will do that. Stay We're tuned. Drop an A-bomb on the Great Salt Lake, one of the great treasures of our country. Bowler is next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. David Locke here on the Zone Sports Network. Is that good for the league? Some level of parity in this league? This will be the first time since 1980. Magic Johnson's first year that they'll have a different champion for four years in a row. Is this just a fluke because of COVID for two years? Or have we had a quantum change either due to injury, due to talent depth, due to whatever, that now you have different champs? And I think that has a lot to do with how the Jazz have to approach roster building in this offseason. And that is that, you know what, you're doing everything you can to get better, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because you lost in the second round when what we really may have now is like seven or eight teams competing for a championship every year, and we were right there competing. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.